and I think we're live. Namaste and welcome to the Bharat Varta Weekly, the 51st weekly, which is uh, members only. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I have your guests, Abhishek Paul and Srivatsa Subarna here with me to run you through the news and events of the week that was. Hi, Abhishek. Hi, Vatsa. How are you guys doing? Hi, Kari. Doing good. Yeah, it's just the, the most beautiful weather in Bangalore for the last couple of weeks. So really can't complain. And uh, I don't want to gloat about the, the weather anymore. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a pretty interesting week, I should say, right? And uh, interesting week at Bharat Varta as well. Uh, we put out a couple of stellar episodes. Uh, we had the privilege and honor of uh, interviewing uh, Sri Jayan Sinaji. Uh, and he has a very important and interesting bill to reduce carbon emissions to zero by 2050 and oftentimes you know we are we are given this dichotomy of growth versus sustainability right and we are said that a developing nation cannot re reduce carbon emissions but uh, Jayan Sinaji made a very compelling argument for why that's a false dichotomy and why we can be proactive on regulation and innovation uh, with respect to uh, you know uh, zero emissions and so on and how that is possible right so very very nice episode short episode i would say like 30 35 minutes long do check it out if you haven't already seen it uh, we also did an episode on the rise of independent media uh, featuring pramod and harita ji of uh, mind makers now mind has been one of those uh, uh, pioneering media outlets uh, since around 2013 2015 uh, right, uh, very popular among the Indian diaspora living outside, uh, you know, a lot of rich, insightful perspectives and views on a variety of subjects, whether it's politics or foreign affairs. We've, you know, regularly hosted Adit and uh, Sunanda ji as well on our podcast earlier. It was very nice to talk to Pramod and uh, uh, Harita ji on this. Uh, we kind of tracked the evolution of this new independent media, of which I think Bharat Varta also is a humble part of. Right, uh, and it was quite interesting. So, two very nice episodes uh, for you guys to check out. Uh, I hope you listen to it and let us know what you think. So, with that out of the way, uh, we have plenty to discuss uh, this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about India's progress at the Olympics. Uh, some really good news coming in. Uh, the whole Pegasus expose uh, that uh, happened uh, last week, and uh, the U.S. Uh, State Secretary's upcoming visit to India. Uh, of course, I mean, Zomato's bumper listing at the markets uh, and an update on India's vaccinations uh, and some of the policy changes on the e-commerce front. So these are things that we have uh, for you today. Uh, do keep your comments and questions uh, coming in. We will definitely take it up at the end. Uh, we've budgeted about 15-20 minutes at the end to uh, take up any questions that you might have. Uh, so the one of the one of the advantages of doing this in a members only sort of an intimate environment is that we can sort of take this up at the end and we can spend more time on things that matter to you so all right with that out of the way let me get to the first piece of news for this week mirabai chanu uh, won the silver for india at uh, tokyo 21 2021 olympics it's the first medal for the country at this year's olympics the athlete claimed the medal in the women's 49 kg uh, 49 kg weightlifting category india's competitors are gearing up for the competitions in badminton hockey table tennis shooting and boxing other showings weren't as successful unfortunately with the indian football team losing one fight to the to the netherlands however it seems that other athletes will look to keep uh, uh, india's olympic dreams alive 
uh, Abhishek, so you've been following the Olympics closely. I mean, what do you make of uh, India's uh, start? Yes, Kerry. So, uh, really great news coming out on day one of the Olympics itself, right? And uh, a little bit about uh, Mirabai Chanu for our uh, listeners. So, she comes from Manipur, right? And growing up, she idolized uh, the another famous weightlifter from that state, uh, Kunjarani Devi, right? So, uh, uh, you know, sports fans of a slightly older age will probably remember her contributions, right? She narrowly missed getting an Olympic medal, I think, in 2004. But she was really famous and well-known during those times along with Karnam Maleshwari, right? So so coming to Chanu, she, uh, she's like a you know childhood prodigy in the sport, right? So uh, at the age of around eight, 19, she won a silver in the Glasgow Commonwealth Games in 2014. And it uh, age 21, she had qualified uh, for the 2016 Rio Olympic Games, but unfortunately, she uh, had a sort of uh, she could not do any successful lifts in her three attempts in the clean and jerk section. So that was sort of a big setback to her career. But she came back very strongly, got a gold next year in the World Weightlifting Championships in 2017, gold in 2018 Commonwealth Games. And but then you know over the years she had a few injuries as well. So uh, I think one of the interesting stories in the media is that uh, the COVID lockdown period was really tough for our athletes, right? But thanks to good uh, participation and cooperation uh, with the Indian government, she managed to get a couple of very good training stints in the United States uh, in this period. Uh, in fact. Uh, you know, YouTube uh, enthusiasts of sport can actually check out a channel called Squat University in, on YouTube and you can actually see how her trainer in the US is actually training her. So it's very interesting few videos out there. You can uh, watch it. So I think with that uh, good training, she was able to, and in the meantime, I think she got a world record in one of the subcategories as well. Uh, uh, in the recent past. And so she was sort of well favored for a medal, but that means, you know, a lot of expectations and pressure from that. So she managed to get a silver medal yesterday with 87 kgs in the snatch and 115 kgs in the clean and jerk category. Uh, so great performance and uh, hopefully this good start in the games will inspire others in the Indian contingent to get uh, medals as well yeah absolutely absolutely great performance uh moving on so there was a uh, an expose on the pegasus uh spyware apparently i mean it was used to spy on certain indian journalists uh pegasus is a cutting edge virus that can monitor and track real-time actions undertaken by users on their mobile devices uh, it was created by an israeli company is nso group for espionage and reconnaissance uh, capabilities uh, so, yeah, I mean, it seems uh, pretty sophisticated and there was a huge build-up to this as well. I think with many coordinated tweets, uh, uh, you know, saying that this will be a scandal uh, that could uh, potentially affect the uh, uh, the government at the center, right? So, what's up, what do you make of all of this? Can you just give us a broad outline on, you know, what this means? Sure. Uh, so, I mean, 
to just explain briefly what Pegasus is, right? Pegasus is a, is a spyware that's uh, built by the NSO group in Israel. Uh, it's sold only to governments and that's, a, that's an important point. Uh, the other thing is it's very expensive. Uh, it costs half a million dollars to install and there are charges for each device that are surveyed upon there's annual fees and so on. So uh, it's, it's not something that anyone can buy and you know use it. Now, uh, the thing is, apparently there is a list of 50,000 numbers and uh, I think that that number is unrealistic. Uh, even uh, NSO has said that, you know, the list is probably come from uh, some public sources and using publicly available information. So I think uh, on one hand, the, the number seem, definitely seems uh, blown up. And how Pegasus works is it works through, uh, you know, using a vulnerability either in iPhone or any app that's used and so on, right? And uh, because uh, an operating system has so many moving parts, there will always be bugs and there will always be ways for any kind of spyware to get in. It's, it's just a question of how much effort a hacker is willing to put in to understand you know, what the vulnerabilities are and then finding one which will affect sufficient number of people. Right? So WhatsApp is a good use case. WhatsApp is used by upwards of a billion people across the world. So finding a vulnerable vulnerability in WhatsApp is something that can benefit uh, you know, a hacker or even a company like NSO. Now, there are a few things here. One is that uh, nobody can confirm uh, you know, the actual number of people who were spied upon, right? Uh, apparently, that's because the software itself is so sophisticated, it hardly leaves any traces. Uh, and uh, from 50,000, we've seen that the number has come down to a few hundred. Uh, who may have been hacked. And of that, maybe a third have shown traces of being hacked. So there is, there is, there isn't enough information, honestly speaking, there is, there's a lot of noise, but the noise to signal ratio is uh, pretty high. I would say it's mostly noise with, with very little uh, actual information. Uh, having said that, I think from an Indian standpoint, it's interesting because uh, I see a few implications come out of this, right? The, supposed attack. One is that we've seen a judiciary that is uh, judicial overreach of sorts, as some people say, uh, and their excessive uh, questioning of the government functioning. So fully expect, you know, some sort of a PIL, etc., to be fall, uh, to be filed in the Supreme Court and this to be taken up at some point. Uh, I think in general, people will become more cautious. Uh, people who think they are targeted opposition leaders, even even some of the ministers' names are there in the in the list, right? Supposed list. So that's that's another interesting implication to see how people's behavior changes. By and large, if you ask me, when it comes to the larger population, it will have close to zero impact or even zero impact. We've known for years that governments surveil citizens through different ways and means and mostly what people want is some sort of a proper legal framework through which it happens. Because at the end of the day, uh, terrorists, criminals, etc., become smarter and they use more and more sophisticated means to communicate. And law enforcement will also need to kind of color the lines a bit and, you know, probably sometimes cross the line 
to intercept communication which uh, which can save lives so it's a gray area it's not clearly black and white whether a government should surveil or not so i think at a ground level the impact will be minimal but uh, expect the noise to continue uh, some cases to be filed and so on uh, at the end of it uh, I, i don't think a lot is going to come out of this yeah uh, all right moving on the united states uh, secretary of state anthony blinken is expected to meet prime minister modi on july 27th reportedly the meeting will focus on the evolving situation in afghanistan and the human rights issues there um counter china efforts and quad vaccine diplomacy are also topics for discussion it will be uh, blinken's first visit to india after assuming cha- charge as the us secretary of state and the second by a high ranking official of the biden administration us defense secretary lloyd j austin had uh, visited india for about 3 days uh, in march it is expected that the evolving situation in afghanistan will be a major focus of the discussion between the two sides the country is in the midst of a uh, uh, midst of change with terrorist movements from the taliban uh, and it's an issue that the uh, the united states is seeking india's help on um, abhishek what do you make of this meeting and also the larger significance of india's role in uh, in the whole afghanistan uh, uh, situation yeah so as you said uh, this is the second visit by a top us government uh, official since the biden administration took charge right after lloyd austin the defense secretary so i think in this visit uh, as you said the security situation in afghanistan is a major uh, probably talking point i think on the whole uh, with the sort of looming departure or sort of hasten departure by the american forces from afghanistan is probably not something which india likes very much right it is accelerating the uh, sort of control of taliban on the uh, on inside afghanistan uh, pretty quickly right so uh, i mean that's something that's a call that the united states has taken it's uh, it's a very debatable topic inside the us as well and uh, are, the administration is getting plenty of criticism for their recent actions there right so that's something uh, that they'll talk about i think on a sort of more positive side uh, the discussion will also include uh, work on the covid-19 response that is ongoing uh, sometime in march i believe uh, when the last quad meeting was held uh, there was a big commitment made towards uh, vaccine diplomacy right and how to counter uh, chinese vaccine efforts that are ongoing now since then of course uh, the chinese vaccines have proven to be less effective than how they were being sold at right so now the ball is pretty much in the court of the quad countries to sort of ramp up their efforts in order to vaccinate the world quicker right and one of the main uh, outcomes of the march meeting was that india will manufacture the johnson and johnson vaccine uh, uh, to about 1 billion doses by the end of next year right so it will be interesting to see if we get any more updates 
around that the indian partner is called uh, biological e right that's another vac uh, pharmaceutical company in india so i am hoping that you know we get some more updates around that uh, of course china will be an important topic uh, as well uh, the usual talking points around you know climate change etc so one of the controversial talking points in indian media and social media has been that some media outlets are reporting that you know the us will uh, talk about human rights and democracy erosion within india right so i think a lot of uh, media outlets have actually reported that uh, you know this is going to be a major talking point and us will give blinken will give india a lecture on that so i actually did a bit of research to see actually what led to those comments so what happened was that the uh, one of the us uh, state government officials was giving a briefing uh, prior to this visit and during that briefing a question was brought in by the uh, by a reporter from la times saying that you know india is uh, you know enacting laws which are anti minority etc etc so what are you going to do about it etc right so the response was a very generic sort of response by the official said that yes human rights are important and these are values we share with india etc so we kind of brushed it off by saying yes of course everything will be talked about but that was made a sort of big deal by sections of the indian media so let's see if anything more on that comes up in the final sort of statements by the two leaders after the visit happens yeah interesting times for sure uh speaking of uh, zomato made a stellar debut on the uh, on the markets uh, last week opening at 52% of the premium to its final offer price uh, the stock opened at 116 rupees on nse and its final offer price uh, Uh, uh you know with its final offer price being 70 76 rupees it closed at 125.30 despite many cries from investors that it was an overvalued stock uh yeah i mean there were more than a few snarky tweets i remember uh this is a this is a widely regarded as a watershed moment for indian internet startups with zomato being the first of many ipos of some of the country's biggest uh names paytm ola and many more are also looking to go public in the next quarter um uh, it's obvious that there is healthy market for companies like zomato both in the institutional investor and consumer or retail retail investor markets so what's our worry think of uh, the ipo and uh, you know some of the some of the reactions to it i i think people don't really understand you know the amount of effort it has taken for zomato to ipo this is not a company that was formed you know one or two years ago this is a company that has lasted well over a decade it has uh, had to pivot a number of times uh, you know from just listing listing to delivery zomato pro zomato bot they've done many things to stay relevant as a business and uh, i think what has happened now is a is the final outcome that we are seeing after a decade of hard work that has been put in by the founder and you know the founding team and essentially employees of zomato right i mean today they have two two core service offerings delivery and uh, dining out and at one point they were they didn't want to get into the delivery space but they did 
they saw the opportunity and they got into it so uh, i mean anyone who has had a snarky comment to make uh, probably doesn't understand what it takes to build something from ground up and run it for a decade and then take it to the ipo stage right uh, and it hasn't you know just happened overnight as i said so zomato also had a lot of challenges that paytm today faces which is a big chunk of chinese investment so ant financial was a big investor in zomato and it's taken them some time to get rid or come out of the chinese investment now infoedge is i think the largest or the second largest shareholder so they have had to rejig their shareholding uh then another thing that happened was in the us doordash ipo and i think that showed that this is a business model that can actually go public and doordash is today valued at 60 billion dollars right up four times from where it was uh before it ipo so and also zomato was as i said one of the earliest in this space and has lasted for more than a decade uh so number of factors have come together for for this to happen and a lot of it has to do with how the company has been built uh obviously the the favorable uh, environment in the global equity markets is something that has also helped there's a lot of money floating around companies are going public uh more and more investors are getting into the uh, retail capital markets and so on all that essentially helps but uh, let's keep in mind that uh you know the ceo of zomato has been saying for a while that he wants to go the ipo route and he's done it and it was not empty talk and it's the first consumer tech company to do an ipo so that again it takes a lot of courage to you know be the first in any category to go public and they're benefiting from that so all said and done i think you know people who want to pass naki comments will continue to do so but uh and while you need some luck and few things to go in your favor you obviously need tailwinds when you are running a business but at the same time there is a lot of uh, right things that the company has done and you know congratulations to them for getting here yeah absolutely i think see you can dispute the valuation all you want right i mean a few thousand crores here or there whatever but i think as you mentioned people are missing the moat right i mean somewhere i think you know the society uncle types uh, still believe that uh, you know it's an app business you build an app and you enable people to you know you list restaurants and you enable people to order and you know you have a zomato right well if that was so easy right anybody and everybody could have built an app and built this business right i mean it's lasted 10 or 12 years and uh, has seen multiple similar businesses uh, come and die right and uh, Uh, so it's just been it's it's one of those startups that at the core of it is built on phenomenal execution because the business that they're in is not easy to execute uh, and so many firsts right i mean first business to first probably consumer internet business that i know of that ex- expanded to middle east and africa as well right uh, uh, you know something like a swiggy came in somewhere in between and you know totally disrupted the entire market with food delivery and stuff and they were able to catch up right so yeah plenty of plenty of things and the headroom for growth is so much right i mean we're looking at you know uh, the entire delivery market in india is probably 6% right uh, in comparison to food in general right and in mature economies it's uh, closer to 40 or 50% us and china right so headroom for growth phenomenal execution uh, you know uh, very steep year on year growth 
all of that put together i think is uh, you know makes for a very attractive valuation for sure so yeah all right moving on so india's vaccination efforts uh, seem to be going steady right over 7.5 million vaccine doses were given to adults for uh, for free over the week uh, this comes after the central government pledged to buy 75% of all vaccines from drug makers experts say that the world's largest inoculation drive has to reach 10 million daily doses to achieve the aim of vaccinating 950 million adults by december this year infections also have been on the decline after the devastating second wave and the states are slowly restrict, uh, lifting restrictions so abhishek this is i mean it's it's something remarkable right i mean we've taken it for granted but uh, the scale at which this is happening uh, and the coordinated efforts uh, in all of this last mile delivery is nothing like we have ever ever seen before right so uh, yeah i mean uh, what do you think yeah so uh, i mean this is something uh, the vaccine drive is something where you can always look at it as a glass half full or half empty sort of situation so as you said a 10 10 million per day is it's like a round number that you have put in uh, but not necessary that that will happen right doesn't mean that 5 million a day is uh, a bad outcome right so just to give a perspective on the scale right so around june end uh, india actually crossed the united states in terms of the total vaccines delivered which is a amazing uh, achievement from about mid june we have been consistently doing more daily vaccines than the us right and if you see the us graphs they have sort of started tapering down to just about 500k doses a day because basically the population there that wanted a vaccine has got it and now there's a lot of hesitancy in the balanced population so we are yet to still long way away from that hopefully uh if you look at end june since end june we have been consistently higher in terms of daily vaccine doses than the entire european union right so that's an amazing sort of statistic to think about but having said that given our massive population size we are well below most of these large countries when it comes to if you look at it as a per capita basis or a share of population basis right so there is lot of room to be still to be covered and couple of states have actually gone past uh four four crore vaccines in their state right up and maharashtra so i think today we'll be crossing about 43 crore vaccinations uh, overall in india so some of the states if you, i was just going through the data that need to pick up their vaccination are like up west bengal bihar and uh, surprisingly tamil nadu right who have done sort of Uh, low coverage when compared to their population while some of the states that are doing really well are uh, gujarat rajasthan karnataka and kerala when it comes to larger coverage of the uh, population so yeah it's a very major effort i think my sort of prediction is by the end of the year we will uh, be around the 100 to 110 crore uh, vaccine doses mark uh, and hopefully at least in the sort of 50 60% of the population that will be covered by then or maybe 65 70% population that will be covered by then 
till then at least we don't reach vaccine hesitancy i mean i think there will be a 20 to 30% population in every country that will show some hesitancy and probably not go for the vaccine but i am hoping that we at least reach that level uh, without too much problem in india yeah for sure uh all right finally amazon flipkart and more of these uh, e-commerce types have been clamoring for change in india's e-commerce policy changes the requested changes pertain to the inclusion of related parties and logistics service providers as e-commerce entities the ban on flash sales and more the new policy announced last month also prohibited advertising of discounts required mentioning the country of origin of each product and offering domestic alternatives for imported goods and services what's up uh, can you help us understand the policy and you know what uh, uh, these e-commerce uh, players are you know uh, asking to change sure uh so there are a few things that uh, that are not clear or they want they want clarity on one is the whole idea of a flash sale right uh, so you have certain products available at a certain price for some period uh, there is there is ambiguity on whether this is allowed or not uh i think uh, then there is the country of origin issue as you mentioned uh, considering there is a growing sentiment within india that people do not want to use uh, products which are made in a certain country right so that uh, means that uh, and some of the companies have already started doing this the country of origin is something that's mentioned but uh, i think they are leaving it to the seller to provide that information instead of doing it themselves what this seeks to do is make it uh, mandatory the other thing is that there has always been this allegation uh, especially against uh, amazon and flipkart that they tailor search results to give priority uh, to sellers who are affiliated to them uh, and uh, again this explicitly bans this uh, thirdly uh, you know associated sellers are something that should be done away with so for example you have cloud tail on amazon and so on where amazon has a certain stake this is done to ensure that you know it's kind of free uh, the market is a lot free because at the end of the day these are supposed to be marketplaces uh cancellation charges is something again which is not very clear sometimes they offer a refund sometimes they offer to exchange the product uh, what the new policy seeks is that explicitly consumer consent should be obtained that they are okay with a replacement and not a refund every time they make a purchase uh then there is the question of private labels uh, as i mentioned earlier which are associated to these brands themselves and also logistics companies right so flipkart has its own logistics companies so the pricing of these companies should be the same for an associated uh, company as well as any other seller wishing to uh, you know sell on the marketplace uh, having said that i think there are there are a few issues that i have although a lot of it is done with good intent the first thing is that you see flash sales happen even in malls right so for a few hours say on a weekend if you happen to be in a particular mall you will get some products at a cheaper price uh, and that's no different from what is happening say on amazon or flipkart so in that sense i think my bigger issue is that the rule should be the same uh, the mode in which uh, products are sold should not decide the rules so if 
there there is a set of rules that are to be followed by online marketplaces the same set of rules should be followed by uh, offline marketplaces right and this consistency is something that that doesn't uh, exist that doesn't exist today uh the second thing is that uh, you know guaranteeing quality and then making sure that every seller issues a refund is again uh, is again kind of it depends on the product right? at the end of the day there are certain things the marketplace can do and cannot do right in terms of overreach uh, they also need certain volumes to stay profitable uh so i think there should be further negotiation between these websites and marketplaces and the government and while the rules uh, are you know essentially formulated with good intent there the i think the most important thing is there should be consistency be it offline and online and under pressure from one lobby rules should not be formulated to kind of benefit them and or the other other category yeah i think uh... Also, given... and, and there is there is one thing which I missed, like yeah. just in line with the intermediary law that we had for Twitter, etc. Uh, there are certain compliance requirements that have come in, which means that a grievance redressal mechanism, a compliance officer, and so on will have to be appointed. Again, it's I think it's a very good move because a lot of times uh, customers just don't have recourse, uh, you know, from these companies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think regulation is very, very tricky in all of these new areas, right? Uh, all right. So that's a wrap from us uh, uh, in terms of the news and events. So we did have consumer forums at the district level earlier as well, and people did benefit from them. So it's not that the earlier uh, system was not working, but I think what has happened with e-commerce is that. it's not necessary that you are buying from someone locally right so which meant that uh, which was pretty much the case say in 1986 right it would be very rare that you would order something from another state and get it delivered to you so the the relationship was a lot simpler then now it's a lot more complicated now you have a platform then there is a seller so who is kind of liable for that all that has changed and needs to be cleared up and that was one thing that uh, you know this bill was seeking to uh, address uh, it was also seeking to look at uh, you know advertising wrongly which is again something that is covered you know in the e-commerce rules so there is a lot of commonality there uh, and there is talk of setting up you know this entire structure from the central to the state to the district level uh, and uh, with limit set at each level right so if it's up to 1 crore it's the district between 1 and 10 crores it was the state and so on so uh, liability is another thing that has been clearly defined so all of these things uh, unfortunately uh, you know the the e-commerce law and this have to go together and the e-commerce law i think will take some while before you know all the grievances are sorted out of some of these uh, big giants like amazon and so on so together i think they will work well to protect the uh, consumer so thank you so much again for joining uh, i hope you're all doing well and uh, we'll see you next week so from abhishek watsa and myself uh, thank you so much again and see you bye